Forgiveness is good. And if it can't be coerced, then we need to work on the conditions, these conditions, authentic apologies, good outcomes, and ending to to the offending behaviors. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. You know how we always start our podcast with one of us singing in the episode? Well, I was thinking maybe our listeners could submit a song for us to to sing, you know, make us sing the most ridiculous songs or something like that. Oh, oh, yeah. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Just another way to engage our, our, our beautiful listening base. I love that. Yeah. Well, what do you think? How about this? Yeah, go go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Oh, well, you know, we have that listener in Montana. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Who is it? Montanan. Who is that listener? Uh, uh, It is really anyone's guess. Yeah. So (laughs) strange. We get, we've had so many downloads in Montana and it's just like, who is that person? So if you are the Montana listener, you need to get after us on... (laughs) Any of those forms of communication, you know? Absolutely. Let me just say, you have betwixt Dave for for weeks, (laughs) if not months now. (laughs) Oh, it's just so funny. Like, the first episode we ever came out with, we came out with three all at once. Um, I think that was sort of near the end of May. And boom, right away, we got three downloads in Montana. And I was like, how is this possible? (laughs) Oh, there, man. There's some magic in Montana in those mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Yeah. I'm I'm going to say I'm putting a moratorium on singing until someone submits a song for us to sing, Bob. Uh, excellent. Good, Dave. It's, I was, on, it's uh, on the listeners. It's on the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was listening to one of our old episodes where you were singing some song. And I like said, what's that from Hamilton or something like that? <laughs> but I, I have no idea what that song was. I Do you remember that, that might one? have been. I remember that comment. I remember singing the song Unpretty by TLC. Yeah, it was Unpretty. <laughs> That's just a lost 90s just gem. That thing is yeah. a glorious song. You might say it got uh, swept under the undercurrents of Waterfall. Ooh. Yeah, you're right. It probably did. Just, or just drowned um, in waterfalls. It's it's in the back seat of the car that the uh, no scrubs <laughs> ladies are driving in. <laughs> there you go, Bob. Nice. Good. Let's have a uh, TLC episode. Yeah. Uh episode what let's say episode 72 is dedicated to TLC right now. If we uh, make yeah. it to episode 72, we yeah. are having just a <laughs> All you can eat TLC party. Yep. It's a buffet. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Oh, Bob, it's nice to get on the horn with you and get the uh, get the old knobs turned in the sound studio, you know? Oh, it is. Especially when we can start off with such jibber jabber, you know? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think our our good buddy Ian Carbone would be proud of us right now. <laughs> yeah. The old gruesome twosome, me, you, and That's him. Right. That's right. <laughs> you know, I I listen to a lot of different types of podcasts. 
I feel like I've just like the one once podcasting hit the scene for me, I was just like all in a hundred percent. And I listened to this one podcast that is just nothing. You know, it's just these three brothers that get on the horn with each other every week and they pretend to give advice to people. Um, it's called my brother, my brother and me. And it's pretty good. I, pretty good title. Yeah. Yeah. At one point I was thinking we shouldn't title our show, my brother and me, but yeah. Um, I feel like sometimes we don't do enough bullshitting, you know? Yeah, we don't. Well, I feel like the state of the world always encourages us to talk about serious topics, you know? This That's just, true. just isn't 1998 anymore. <laughs> Uh-oh. Maybe our TLC episode should be episode 98 then, huh? Oh, there it is. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Yeah, or I guess we could dedicate that to 98 Degrees. Man, these references mm. are lost on all the little old women that listen to this show, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mom. Yeah, sorry, Rosie. Sorry, Carol. <laughs> sorry, Kitty. Yeah, we have this like really funny cross-section of like 70-year-old women that are all Catholic and all love this podcast, which is just like the greatest cross-section of listeners to have. Yeah, we we are very popular with um, the boomer Catholic generation, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's a a good generation to be with. They're going to be loyal to the core, you know? Yeah, no, I do do love those women. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's the best when you get emails from them. I uh, really loved getting emails about the the episode we did with Mike Bishop and we talked about organ donation and just like, wow, it got a lot of people thinking, but I definitely, th- it was funny to get an email from mom and I was like, I've never thought about any of that kind of stuff. And I just don't know <laughs> if I'm ever going to donate my organs. Yeah. But for the record, she did like that episode. That's true. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, she... She liked all the writing ideas and she's like, ah, I think I'm going to start writing some more creative nonfiction. And mm, that's right. It's just nice. It's nice that Mike inspired her. And yep. yeah, that was, that was a nice little moment. I kind of feel like we're having one of those shows where we have all the people in the, who've ever been on the show, just reflecting on the previous seasons. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's like, oh yeah, let's hear from uh let's hear from Katie on grief. Let's do a quick cut into that. Exactly. Cause I see our producer in the sound room and he's like, extend, we need to keep this going, boys. Keep this going. Yeah, yeah we can't cut. Uh, I'm getting another producer. He's telling me to cut to commercial, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Just go nowhere regroup. fast. Start again. All right. Let's regroup. Uh, let's regroup. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you, uh, how's your week been, Dave? Do you have any little gems or stories or anything out there to share with the listeners? Yeah, I'd say it was just one of those weeks where I found little moments of happiness, but it was definitely a bit of a grind this week. As some of you know, we started recording on Thursday and we're giving our editor, Nadir, uh a few days to cut the episode before it comes out. So yeah, and this is kind of the end of my work week and it's been, it's been a haul. That's for sure. I feel like there's been so many sweet little moments though. One of my favorites was I got a chance to um, connect with my mentor this week at the school. I 
So I'm getting my teaching license as I'm teaching, just trying to put it all together. So I'm going to school on the weekends at um, a local university, uh, UNC, and then I'm like writing papers and doing reflections and all that good stuff, but also trying to teach and lesson plan. So it just feels like way too much. But through the school, they were like, yeah, you got to have like a mentor at your elementary school. So I picked a mentor and her name is Ashlyn and it's been really great working with her. And I feel like it's just nice to like define a relationship in those ways sometimes because I feel like it's bonded us in like just really nice ways. And I feel like having like being explicit with that has made it feel like someone's looking out for me. And I mean, that's like the best part of my school is this, my three like main topics for the year that I keep harping on with the kids are resiliency and pride and caring community. And I feel like my school is just like a school of such a caring community. And like, I'm pretty sure every school is like that. Just like people out there, like looking out for each other, but it feels so nice to be in this like caring community where I feel like when I'm on the ground, someone's always going to be there to pick me up. And yeah, so it's been nice to have, have a explicit mentor, you know? Yeah. It seems so, yeah. Mentorship is so like underrated. It's so important. And especially right now, just, remote teaching and instruction during for K through 12, I think it, I've been hearing from friends. It's just so challenging for the young ones and then basically for everyone involved. So unbelievable work that you're doing, Dave. And I, I think it's maybe some of the hardest teaching you'll ever do in your life potentially, or maybe it's just a, a sign of things to come. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hard to say one way or the other. How about you though, Bob? What's your week been like? Haven't had a chance to check in with you in a while. Uh, it's been pretty good actually. And it's September, which is my birthday month. I enjoy September quite a bit. The change of season. I, you know, last year, actually, my partner and I were up in Rocky Mountain National and I remember swimming at like, I don't know, 10,000 feet or something like that in Bear Lake. You know, so much changes in a year. There's no way I can get to that beautiful lake this year and I miss it. But that was a real nice memory from last year. This this week, uh, the big thing was uh, actually with our our wonderful um, kitty cat, whose given name is Zoe, but we call her Pootie. And she had surgery today. Um, she oh, had two teeth removed. So it's not major surgery, but she was, you know, knocked out and it's just, you know, anytime anyone you love goes into surgery, that's just such a big moment. It's like, you're always taking a leap of faith. Right. And, you know, with, with, with um, a non-human going into surgery, part of it's made harder because they can't communicate. Right. And you can't tell them that this is going to happen. Happen. You just have to pack them in the cat carrier, and then you know. I just you know what what's going through her noggin. I don't know, and it's it can't be anything positive. You know, like sh- this is not a good day for her. And so the surgery went well, went really well. However, yeah, just so just counter lucky stars for that, but just always hard. And 
Um, yep. So that's, that was the big, big moment for us this week. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, one of our friends, Katie, uh, from the grief episode, she has a dog named Stampy and recently Stampy had to get something like, I want to say 11 teeth removed all at once. Oh yeah. Wow. And then I was, I was wondering how many teeth dogs have and I never looked it up, but do you know how many teeth cats have? I don't. I think they might have more than humans. And she just had to get two removed. Um, so, yeah, not totally sure. <laughs> well, we'll have to put that one in the show notes. Like that. I like that name, Stampy. It's a good name for a dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, it's a good little dog, too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bob, I'd say we get into it a little bit. And, um, yeah, we're just kind of picking up steam off last week. Sometimes just a little peek behind the curtain, but sometimes we have a lot of time to talk and sort of game plan. And today we're kind of going into it a little bit cold. And I love, I love both those two episodes. I feel like last week we talked for like an hour before we recorded, but today we talked for like two minutes and we're like, yeah, let's just go for it and see what happens. I think there's benefits to both. So anyways, we're going into it cold and I'm excited to hear all your opinions and yeah, sort of, I feel like I recently, as we've been podcasting, I feel like I've been having like epiphanies as we've been doing it, which has been a really, uh, just kind of like a nice and interesting change of pace to have these like moments of like, aha. And I'm like, man, maybe there's like something to it to like, to be able to like talk things out online or all you know through this through this medium of podcasting and like to have an, an aha moment and yeah so anyways this week or i mean the season theme is separation and we're kind of piggybacking off last week episode which was talking about letting go this idea of letting go and creating separation through letting go and tonight the idea was to take that next level from letting go and stepping into this realm of forgiveness. And yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts about forgiveness and I know that sometimes when you get into like these themes kind of feels like the theme of like Brene Brown in some ways, or like, like I let mentioned last week, this like self-help guidebook. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, like let the power of letting go or like Brene Brown on forgiveness. And I'm not, I'm not quite trying to go down that path. I'm just like wanting to see where this conversation can take us tonight, Bob, and to see where this idea of forgiveness can take us. Great, Dave. Yeah. I, I like this topic. I want us to look at forgiveness from a few different perspectives. I think that. It is a good segue off of last week's letting go. I think that forgiveness, when a person can forgive, that is a way of letting go, that it allows for letting go to happen. And so that that's very valuable. So I think that forgiveness is something that is valuable and there's like something really useful with forgiveness. I think I would put it in this larger sort of context 
of this idea of, so when I think of it, I'm really interested in putting this back into the context of restorative justice and transformative justice, which are really important to me because as we talked about, there, you know, restorative justice is really important, can be an important tool for education. And then transformative justice is this way of creating the conditions for justice outside our current criminal justice system, which depends on punishment. So very important. And forgiveness is often a part of the accountability process. You know, that some part of the restoration is a person forgiving the other person. Mm-hmm. And at least that's how it's framed. And I want us in this episode to th- really think about that. Is that always necessary? Like, is forgiveness a part of restoration? So I, I wanted to ask you maybe to start us off with your knowledge and practice of restorative circles and practices. Where does forgiveness, does it play a role in all of that? That's a, uh, I mean, as you were talking, I just like, kept having these ideas of like how we teach forgiveness and i feel like we teach we don't we don't know how to teach forgiveness like as a society but also as individuals like i have never really sat down and thought like this is the way that i want my children to learn how to forgive and i think that's a question that might be worth asking um and I've also like never sat down and been like, this is how I want to learn how to forgive, or this is how I learned to forgive. And I feel like there, like I talked about a little bit during that restorative justice episode is a skill gap. Like there's not like that skill on a personal level. It's feeling a little deficient and I'm mm-hmm. feeling like, huh, maybe I don't like, I've not been taught these tools in a way that feels sufficient enough for me to feel adequate to teach them, you know? Um, There's, like, this idea of these, like, I'm just picturing a kid, like, you know, pushing another kid to the ground, and then, like, a an adult coming over and saying, like, hey, you pushed that kid to the ground, and now he's crying. You need to say sorry. And then the kid, like, is, like, forced to say sorry, and is like, sorry, uh, sorry about that. And then, like, it feels so inauthentic. And then the kid that's on the ground crying doesn't feel any sense of restoration. And then the adult says to the kid on the ground, he says, well, the kid just said, sorry, now it's your time. You have to say that you forgive him. And, like, I think we can all relate to that little story that I just made up in a, in a way that it feels like, yeah, we've experienced that moment. We've seen that happen, whether in education or like in the grocery store and the th- the big things that are coming up for me besides that skill gap are the fact that like it just feels so inauthentic you know those that idea of forced forgiveness is just like what's the point like if you're going to like mm-hmm. yeah if someone's going to tell you to like be for like forgiving then it doesn't do any good and that's right let me, I'll just finish this last point. It's like, I, I feel like that is one of the key components of circling is you never force anyone to talk. It's if like, you can't force them 
to talk, you can like ask them questions, but if they don't want to talk, then it's because it's worse to have an inauthentic apology than it is, or, you know, inauthentic forgiving moment where like that is worse. It's going to make the situation worse and it's going to close communication. So it might as well have no communication. Anyways. Yeah. I feel like I got your brain going. Yeah, you did. I, uh, I appreciated that because I think one of the ways that we talk about forgiveness is we put it in this forced, like we, there's a bit of a, like teaching people that you have to forgive and like, uh, will you describe this? Like trying to force kids to forgive. And I think it get, it does get caught up in what gets called two different things that are similar, this culture of toxic positivity. And similar to that is this idea of a bright siding. And so toxic positivity is this sort of like, you always have to smile. You always have to like be positive. Like sadness is unacceptable. And bright siding is similar. Like I'll always look at the bright side of things and, and never talk about the, the sorrow or the pain. So I think some of the ways that forgiveness gets talked about is in, within those cultures, um, which are tend to be dominant in American culture. So I think, again, I, I, I like forgiveness and I, I, I'm interested in untangling it from like forcing it. And in order to do that, I did a little research and I think psychology is actually helpful here that there's research on when people do forgive and when they don't and what are the conditions that create easier possibilities to forgive when people forgive. And those three possibility or sorry, those three conditions where people have a lot easier time of, you know, voluntarily forgiving are the first condition is when there's a good apology. So this goes to your story, like when there's a fake apology or if it's forced, then that's, that violates the first condition. So the first, there has to be this authentic apology um, from the other party. The second condition is a good outcome. And what that means is if, if things now, it's like after the harm was done, if things now are better for the person, then they'll more easily forgive. So, you know, if, if it, you know, maybe it wasn't a big, huge deal and they forgot about it, then versus, you know, like maybe they were really seriously injured and they haven't healed it, then they're much less likely to forgive. And then the third condition is an end to the offending behavior. So, you know, if the, um, you know, the perpetrator of harm isn't doing that harm anymore, then the aggrieved party will forgive a lot easier. So, um, and so often those three conditions are not met. And this is based on an article written by Tina Gilberson. She says that like, when those conditions are not met, that a big part of forgiveness is a feeling. It's an emotional state that the person can't change that emotional state. So to tell them to forgive puts them in this bind. Um, 
where they can't because those conditions aren't met. So yeah, I think, I think that, that really resonates for me when we've tried to force people to forgive that doesn't work. It has to come sort of authentically from these conditions. Yeah. I, that third one is really hitting me in some good ways. The, this idea, can you just say the third one again for me, Bob? Oh, sure. Yeah. The third one was when there's an end to the offending behavior. Yeah. I feel like that is a really hard one to meet. And I feel like the only way that you're going to meet that condition or like you're going to like find a way is, and obviously you can never know what the future is going to bring, but I feel like that is at the core of that is trust. And this idea that like, I am trusting that I, I know that you hurt me. I see that you're like feeling apologetic, but I need to trust that you're not going to be, you're not going to do this to me again. And to go back to the example, to go back to the, yeah, exactly. So like to go back to this example of this kid getting pushed, it's like, if this kid's going to get pushed, how many times is he going to get pushed by this other kid before all trust is broken forever? You know? And I mean, we, we can look at this in adult relationships too, but like, I feel like in some ways it's nice to look at the playground and look at the simplistic relationships because, you know, obviously pushing is just like a metaphor for uh, being slighted by someone or, you know, being damaged in some way, whether it's physical or usually emotional. But that idea of trust is like so key to forgiving. And it's like, I don't know if I can trust a person sometimes. And I think one of my biggest like failings as in like adulting, as they say, is I sometimes rather than forgive, I, I like forget and I push away sometimes. Um, and I create this separation that, is kind of I feel like the relationship becomes damaged and I push away in a way that I'm like I can't repair the relationship because that work of creating recreating trust and that work of being authentic to your core and whatever the second one was I feel like all those things are really hard and it's way easier just to push away yeah and I feel like they're like that feels like there's those there's that two two different forms of separation the separation of letting go or maybe it could be reframed as releasing so like forgiveness is like a release and then there's this other separation of like a push away and that is like one of my defensive mechanisms yeah yeah i think that's really interesting and valuable for us to explore i appreciate the 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 depth of your answer there there I th- I, at the onset, we didn't quite go deep enough maybe into, I like what you just said, that the value of forgiveness, that again, it is this like really beautiful thing, especially I think in the ways that our, people like my mom, our mom talk about it. And I've, he- I've heard Cornell West talk about it in ways that are like 
spiritual when there's this like deep healing slash liberation to, to, you know, like, I guess it's a good example bringing in Cornell West, you know, like uh, black people in the United States, like none of these conditions have been met. The exact opposite have, you know, there hasn't been a good apology. There hasn't been a good outcome and there hasn't been any change to the offending behavior. And yet at times, I think Cornell West is talking about black people have forgiven white people. Um, and, you know, he talks about it as like the fact that there hasn't been um, like total revolution or like um, just attacks on white society over and over again is a, is a showing of forgiveness or showing of something deeper. I don't know if it's forgiveness. And let's see, where am I going with this thought? Oh yeah, that there, there is some kind of value to forgiveness. You know, it, it does allow for, I think, a healing to happen and, and, and an unburdening. However, I also think that it just, what you were talking about trust is so important because if the opposite of releasing is holding on to, then it makes sense to hold on to the need for accountability because it is about justice. It is about, you know, I can't see that, you know, the, the oppressor is changing. So, you know, I can't forgive. And therefore there is this, you know, lack of healing that, that takes place. So, For me in this conversation, I'm thinking about, well, then if forgiveness is good and if it can't be coerced, then we need to work on the conditions, these conditions, authentic apologies, good outcomes, and ending to, to the offending behaviors so that we don't psychologize forgiveness, but we, we make it social. You know, there's like this collective work on the, the conditions that are needed. Yeah. Yeah. I like taking this lens from the playground to the personal, like the, the metaphorical playground to the personal and taking it, this lens to the greater society, because I feel like, you know, that's one of the things that we like to do on this podcast is kind of take a lens to 2020 America and looking at where we're at. I feel like, I'm I'm always like thinking about what Kimberly Jones said um and she was on the daily show in John Oliver and she's just like kind of said th this idea of like this is not our America you know th that people of color have been 
you know, there's been genocide committed against them. They've been enslaved. And then you're asking them to forgive and to help, to help build. Like there is definitely a sense of like, yeah, how long are we like going to force forgiveness when we're not meeting any of these conditions? And then we're like, like the apologies that, and I know that it's like there's a there's a difference between like the individual and the the greater society, like the systems of oppression, you know. Um, and I feel like, but how many times has the United States like screwed over people of color in this and made false promises? And it's just like, you know, it's devastating. It's devastating to have that, and it's like, I don't know. I want. I want to. Yeah. Ugh, it's just hard. It's true. Yeah. That, you know, I think of all these like ceremonies that, you know, there's some institution being like bringing like white people together and black people together and, you know, showing like, oh, it's, it's all solved. We've solved it. There's forgiveness going on. And there's, uh, it, I feel like there's so many of those during the, Clinton administration, but probably also during the Obama administration. But those those fake ceremonies just deepen this rift, deepen the um the the future. Because I, I do think that the society that we want to build includes forgiveness, and then therefore includes changing the conditions. But changing those conditions becomes harder with all these fake ceremonies that have gone on for so long. So it it's challenging. It is challenging. But I do think this research that is sort of basic psychology is very helpful and getting around like because I think too often people get pathologized for not forgiving. And then but this helps us say, hey, wait, let's not look at this person who's having a tough time forgiving, let's look at the social conditions that set this all up. Yeah, that's good. What do you think, Bob? Where can we go from here? Like, what are some, I don't know, like what, what is some of the groundwork that we can do? Like, or what is some of the groundwork that you might kind of put into practice? Like either on a personal level or trying to create systems of change. Um, Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just curious if like there's anything here that you're going to try and incorporate. I think what you said that when there's like conflict in our society it becomes much easier to avoid the conflict and you know go to for- forget rather than forgive and I think it's even though we're facing so many disasters and crises right now. I think this work of focusing on trying to get to accountability and forgiveness is still extremely important. And I think I'll just encourage that in my own life and with people around me that, and just sort of like watch out for that, where maybe there will be, there's opportunities for forgiveness and not let not letting those g- get away instead 
I, I guess what we basically we, we talked about, I think restorative circles and transformative justice, I think developing those and, and those practices in our everyday life are the ways that we get to authentic forgiveness. So I, I really liked those things and that we were developing. And I think those actually have really powerfully transformative, um, you know, possibilities when we do them in our daily life. I do think they can, you know, build on themselves and, and lead towards larger level transformation. Yeah. How about yourself, Dave? What, what will you take from this going forward? Yeah. I, I think one of the questions that I, that's like, there's no answer yet, but this idea of how to teach forgiveness is something that's coming up for me. And I think I don't have an answer because I want to have an answer to how did I learn forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we got a little bit farther with that. Like definitely that idea of these conditions being met is helpful for, I don't know, maybe helpful for like creating this idea of like teaching. Like how do we teach, how do we teach building trust though? Is like, uh, or like mm-hmm. creating a trusting relationship. That is like a huge question that feels like pretty hard to answer. Yeah, I, I guess it's something that's tickling my brain a little bit. And yeah, I guess I, I oftentimes think about how I can put this into the classroom. But it's also interesting because this is something that it's like, how can I put this into my everyday life? And how can I have that make me into the more a more authentic person and a more um just like a better a better friend to all you know because i feel like there's always work to be done and whether or not we're ready to do it is a different question but Mm -hmm. yeah i'm hoping to be a little more open a little more ready for that that's great yeah i think that i really appreciate some of the examples that you gave and they're helpful in the ways that you've talked about the challenges that you've had in some of these, in some of this work, it's, it's, uh, I think shared by a lot of people, you know, I think what you're talking about that we don't learn how to restore bonds or to engage conflict, you know, in, in authentic ways that is, is really important. Yeah. I feel like I'm so apt to say, sorry. Before yeah. that, I before I even feel sorry, almost That's right. you know, yeah. It, and I mean, you're not alone. These, again, these things are like dominant in our society. But to where sorry actually means something that that's a great place to get to, you know, because I do the same thing. Just sorries fly out of my mouth in order to maybe avoid the larger conflict. But maybe that larger conflict needs to be embraced. I will say. Um, after last week's conversation, my mini epiphany was kind of this idea of, I think what I called honoring, honoring my day and to find this way of letting go, you need to have this, this sense of honoring and a word that I didn't use last week was closure. And I feel like to let go of something you need to, to find closure and to find honor. And I did start a new practice this week of when I end my school day 
of coming home and finding a way to honor that and honor my day and the work that I did and also kind of shock myself into the present. So, um, like it could be done in a lot of different ways and, you know, taking a walk or, you know, dipping your feet in ice water. But like, I feel like the way I decided to do it was sort of using the sense of smell to shock myself into the present with mm, nice, like a smudge or essential oil. And then to try and meditate for a little bit in honoring the work that I've done and then trying to, yeah, just let go with that practice. And, um, the times that I've done it, I've forgotten twice, but the times that I have done it, it's felt good. And I think that with forgiveness too, it's nice to find those ways of practicing, practicing that to make it so we're more ready. Yeah. I like that a lot, Dave. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I want to also share just briefly at the end here. I talked about how I rely on baseball and the Cleveland baseball team as a crutch. And I am very appreciative of our episode because I got to sort of look at that. And I, what I've done is, you know, I would follow games, certain games pretty closely. And I've, I've sort of limited myself to how much baseball I watch and having some boundaries has been really, really good for me and not as hard as I thought it would be just, you know, being like, okay, can only check the game like once a night rather than watching the game. And and that helps. And I like that idea of honoring too. That's helpful with this baseball as well. The, there was an article that came out that talked about the team as being the last this is the last hurrah of this Cleveland baseball team based on salaries and how old players are. So just like what we were talking about. And I think I said last week that it was important that that be seen, that this is the last, possibly the last season. So that some sports writer honored that, that idea that you bring up of honoring felt like I could get some closure with it. That's great, Bob loving it yeah so with that transitioning from baseball to the hot seat dave Mazler, you you are on the hot seat this week are you ready for it <laughs> uh god that was definitely just listening to you fail man i was like uh-oh i am yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna just like get crushed so i'm excited to see what you got and i'm excited to uh i don't know Oof fail in the wind there's probably an expression can't even come up with that see i'm already failing well i think i reflected where i went wrong was i reflected on it too much you just got to go with your gut you know first guess best guess yep (laughs) right from the gut shot all right bob hit me with it okay so your question is in the pandemic we've lost a lot of things in a hypothetical world, you you can do one thing that you've given up during the pandemic. What one thing would you do if you could have it back? Mm, well, or have the freedom to do it. 
I'll tell you what my gut says, and I'll see if I uh, change it midstream with my brain getting in there. Uh, God, my gut just says I want to get into a hot spring right now and just like sit back and have this moment of like community because uh i mean hot springs can be so communal or it could be a sauna it doesn't even matter to me i just mm-hmm. want to get hot with people <laughs> just get hot with <laughs> just getting hot with people here oh man beauty dave <laughs> ain't, yeah. there ain't nothing wrong with that dave <laughs> yeah and i'm not saying it's impossible i'm just saying uh it's not too likely gonna happen at least in the communal sense you know right totally that's a good answer. Oh, but you, yeah, but if my brain's going to chime in, it'd be the idea of getting on a plane again and traveling with ease and without feeling that like constant fear that I shouldn't be doing this. Not that I have traveled, yeah. but like that's how I imagine my next trip to be. It's just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because traveling, I always feel sick immediately the second I get on an airplane. So I feel like, with Corona in the air, I'm going to like immediately get coronavirus, you know? Speaking of getting sick on an airplane, do you remember when uh, this was back in our World Cup trip when we were flying to Mallorca and we had those cucumber cream cheese sandwiches? Those things were god awful. God. <laughs> I remember Ryan trying to air. eat those things with Steve. <laughs> that trip. God, there were some bad moments on that trip. And there was. The Ryanair food was one of the highlights. Yeah, that's an episode, just unpacking that trip in and of itself. Oh, man, that'd be great. Love it, Bob. Well, any, I guess I'll do a little bit of the social coordinates, if that's all right, Bob. Please do. All right, I'm going to put the timer up. Give me 10 seconds. I'm going to hit them all in the next 10 seconds. Ready? Set. Go. Uh, you can email us at davepetrie at gmail.com. You can get us at bmaze19 on Twitter, thriving underscore thriving score. And, ah, damn, fuck. Oh, that one is tough. That one is <laughs> tough. That one's tough. Thriving <laughs> underscore in underscore dystopia on Instagram. Oh, and man. of course, thrivingindystopia.com. Thank you, Mixer. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bob, I forgive you. And I mean that <laughs> from the bottom of my heart. Did I meet the conditions? Uh, Yeah, no. I'm just kidding. Love you, Bob. Uh, Appreciate having this conversation and getting me out of the week. You too, brother. Have a great week to come and see you in episode three. All right. See ya. Bye, What's up, Driving Crew? Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears. They also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful. The intro song is in heaven by Drake Stafford. Our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous Nadir Chayech. Web design by Chris the Mixer Sawyer. And of course, visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. Finally, the new outro song is today's special, Jam Tomorrow by Dr. Turtle. Have a good week and see you next Tuesday.